Welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky. And I am Leah. And we are super excited for this episode. Um, it came out of the chaos of all the audiobook stuff that happened back the end of June, early July. I don't know. It just, it was a day of like infamy. It, it was. In the romance world, like honestly. <laughs> And then we got this hair of an idea and we happened to be talking to Kim Lorraine and it kind of spiraled from there. And so we are very excited for this episode. So on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we are actually talking to audiobook narrators and industry insiders. Um, and we're going to re- tell you all who's going to be on here. We have a little bio for each of them and then we'll get into the interview and this, I just want to warn you all, this will be a little bit longer of an interview. <laughs> but once you hear who is on and why they're on, and you won't be sad about the fact that it's a little bit longer. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a little bit longer, but I just want to warn you ahead of time that it takes plan to take some time and listen to the chaos that was this interview. Uh-huh. Um, So our first guest for the episode is Katie Robinson. Katie has worked in the world of audiobooks for six plus years. Prior to her work as producer with Lyric, uh, she was an acquisitions editor and social media manager with a boutique audiobook publisher. In that role, she oversaw the creation of Romance Imprints, which is when her love of romance audio truly began. Now she has produced over 300 plus audiobooks including Audi, Earphone, and Sovas, S-O-V-A-S, award winners. She currently lives in Niagara region up in Canada with her husband and chaotic, chaotic dog, collecting records and rewatching Jane Austen adaptations far too many times. So that is guest number one. She was one of the producers on Real by Kennedy Ryan that we obsessed about when we had her for book club. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then next we have Stella Hunter. She is a classically trained vocalist and a lifelong performer who loves being both on stage and behind the mic. Her voice is described as a blend of sensual and sweet with a girl next door feel. It's totally true. She bring she enjoys bringing to life all kinds of characters and performing all genres from romance to paranormal and fantasy. So guest number three for this episode is Aaron Shedlock. Aaron Shedlock is a passionate and highly versatile voice artist with a broad range of styles and character voices in his repertoire. Known for his engaging and deep resonant tones, he is the voice of several national and international commercial brands and a rising star in the world of audiobooks. A huge fan of classic and modern literature, he spends the majority of his time buried in a good book either in print or audio, being inspired by his favorite authors and audiobook narrators with a hot cup of coffee close at hand. It's like our kind of person right there. Hot he coffee. is. Okay, and then last but certainly not least, we have Teddy Hamilton. Teddy Hamilton is just a pseudonym. Teddy narrates all sorts of titles under his real name, Andrew Iden. And I'm sorry, Andrew, if I pronounced that wrong. Known best for his work in the Hymn series by Serena Bowen and Al Kennedy and the Mr. Series by, by J, <coughs> excuse me, A. Huss. Teddy has lent his voice to over 100 books, some sweet and some salty, always with a lot of passion and heart. 
So into the interview we go. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Um, everyone, welcome Aaron, Teddy, Katie, and Stella. We are so excited to have you guys here. Hello. 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 Um, it's going to so, be chaotic and amazing. <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. I'm so excited. You guys have been the highlight of my day all day. I've been like telling everyone. Um, I am recording with some really awesome people uh, today. So um, part of the reason that we invited you guys on is we want to talk about audiobooks. A lot of our podcast listeners, because it shouldn't be a surprise, are huge audiobook consumers. But one of the things that Leah and I have found as we've gone through this process is that not everyone understands what all goes into an audiobook. Um, so we invited the professionals and uh, Aaron to... Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you well, kind of yes. started it. No, but also the, the the professionals who even even us there's there's so many blank spots on our on our side of like yeah there really is I mean I I do my portion which is I just I prep do. and record yeah. yeah and then I hand it all off and all the magic happens yeah. to with elsewhere I well, there's a lot of here. moving Katie here tonight because yeah. I love this idea yeah can yeah. help us talk a little bit about that. What was the question again? I'm sorry. I'm bad at this. Uh, no. I don't think the question. Oh, there there was hasn't no question. been a question. <laughs> there hasn't been a question yet, but we'll start with Katie. Right. Since okay. we're going to we name go. her the grown-up. Uh, <laughs> she and Leah can be the grown-ups. Um, no, I don't want that responsibility. Katie, how did you get into audio production? Um, yeah, I guess I kind of came about it in a super weird way. I've had a few career paths in my life. Um but eventually I made my way into publishing and I kind of got more into traditional publishing. So uh, I worked at a literary agency for a while. Um, then I worked for a publisher uh, and then I worked for audiobooks.com, which is a retailer, uh, kind of like Audible, but on a smaller scale. And uh, they operate out of Canada and they wanted to open a publishing branch. So that was kind of my start. I started as an acquisitions editor there. So I was just like reading a lot and buying audio rights, which was basically a dream job. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, as we started to publish, um, we actually lost our audio engineer just like to music and, you know, the things that he wanted to do on, um, elsewhere. And so then I started getting into producing. So I kind of segued and then eventually down the line, I started a romance imprint. And that's when I really got into like romance audio. And eventually when that closed shop, uh, I just like chatted with Andy and, you know, somehow got on the Lyric team, which I'm really grateful for. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. I've been there for a few years now. That's exciting. Um, I think That's the journey awesome. into romance for many of us is kind of this backwards, like, <clears throat> way stance kind of thing. Totally. And I used to read it when I was younger. And then when I kind of got more into the publishing side of things, I was reading a lot of like, you know, like literary fiction and, and memoirs and a lot of nonfiction and that kind of stuff. And I found myself being burnt out. Like I would come home and I'd have read like, you know, three books in a day and I'd be like, okay, I just want to like reset my brain. So that's when I started like reaching for romance again. And then as I worked like longer in audio, I started realizing like how great 
kind of the community was um both on like the creator side but also in the fandom side like the fans are just like next level like <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> having worked in other genres i can say like the romance audio fans are like the best ones so um yeah i, I kind of just gravitated towards it naturally and then luckily had like a boss who also was like yeah let's do it let's do some romance stuff that's more fun 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 what about you aaron how did you get into narration how did I get into narration? I came into it kind of backwards, just like you were just talking about. Uh, I was into music, uh, the, the, the mixing side of it. And I was working in various studios and I was working, also doing a uh, work in video, doing work in animation, like 2D, like commercial stuff. And um, I'm based out of Tampa, Florida, which is kind of the home of infomercials and um, direct TV marketing, like Home Shopping Network. Billy Mays, all those kind of people. And I used to work with them and that job was kind of horrible. So I started doing audiobooks, um, kind of, well, like voiceover work and audiobooks kind of on the side, like nights and weekends. And then it just kind of took off and I left. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Stella, how did you end up in audio narration? Uh, yeah. So my, my journey is probably more unique, I guess, because I started out as an author. So, and I'm still an author. Um, cause if you don't know by now, I'm Kim Lorraine also. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I started a, a podcast called audibly addicted. And from there, um, my co-host Mo and I started getting approached by authors to ask us to produce for them. And, um, I had self-produced all my own and I was sort of like, I don't really do that. You know, like, that's not really what I do. And they were kind of like, yeah, but you do. <laughs> like you do this you already do it you've done 30 <laughs> so i think let's you can help me so then i uh, st we started doing that and from there i kept getting emails from people on um the pot who were listeners to the podcast and they kept asking me if i would ever narrate an audiobook and at the time i was like no <laughs> you're silly and uh but then it sort of the idea kind of <laughs> started to spark and um I actually talked with Aaron about it and I talked with Teddy about it and they were both super encouraging and uh, Aaron listened to one of my very first samples that I recorded, not even in any kind of studio situation, just sort of a, hey, could you listen to this and tell me if it's terrible and if I should just <laughs> not do this? And so then from there, I just kind of started the the process of getting coaching and getting the right equipment and doing books that were my own because I'm not going to test that out on somebody else like <laughs> we're start with me um, I had that luxury so then I just started and then I started auditioning and I started booking jobs and now I'm working for all the different you know um, producers but also publishers and directly with authors and uh, so now I do this full-time and I write and don't sleep ever. She sleeps, yeah, exactly. Work 16 hours a day. <laughs> Tell the real story, oh. Stella. <laughs> that's it. That's the real story. I have no time for anything. Uh, that's so, fair. I don't really have a life either, so. Yeah, you know. That's... I think most of us put so much into this work that you, mm -hmm. you'd honestly be surprised, like how, how many books between me and Stella and Teddy, how many books we read per week. Um. Yeah. And no, because... I just read, but narrate and prep and, you know, with all the work. I mean, we put in a lot. Well, Leah and I don't narrate, but because of the nature of our podcast and what we are expected to do, plus 
I copy edit and Leah developmentals edits. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Our yeah. weeks end and everyone's always like, you read so fast. I'm like, this is all I do. I have no life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Weekend? What do you mean weekend? What do you, what do you mean? No weekend. I don't even know what today is. What's a day off? That doesn't yeah. exist in I got, my world. I had COVID a couple of weeks ago. That was like oh, my Oh, so you got a nice, you got a nice weekend. Because I could not like yeah. think. Yeah, you just can't. So, yeah. I literally yeah. had to sleep. Like that was that was my weekend, yeah. like getting sick. Oh my god, that was my That's rest. Awful. Why do we do this yeah. to ourselves? All right, it's Teddy, for, it's for how our fans. About, how about you? We haven't heard your story in oh, two. Yeah. My my story. The way that I think, I, I don't know. It's been a long kind of twisty road. I I started acting when I was like four years old, and I was a kid actor, like on screen kid actor. I was on three different television shows at one point, and like. I have very pictures for the, about good. This, yeah. yeah, there are. I've seen them. Well, I was on. Yeah. I was on the cover of Teen Beat magazine. Yeah, yeah you were. That's the Ooh. picture I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> or Tiger Beat. Tiger Beat. Um, Tiger Beat. Right. But there's <laughs> this. Uh, there was this moment when I started to become an adult that <laughs> it became hard to make the transition from being a kid actor to being an adult actor, and I just kind of stopped getting work and I stopped. I don't know, just wanting to, I, I didn't like selling dog food for a living, you know, it's like that, all the mm -hmm. commercials and things mm -hmm. was just kind of, it was lame. And I left acting completely and I ended up kind of wandering around in different jobs. And I, I started working in, for an entertainment rigging company where I was just like on construction sites and like, you know, doing manual labor and it was cool. It was very fun. There's a lot of stuff that I could point out and be like that thing that's going to be up for the next hundred years. I put that thing in and that's fun. But then I, I like randomly met this producer who was like, Hey, I want you to read a book for me. And so I read a book and then the client, the, it was Blackstone audio, like just, I don't know, they liked me or something. And so then they started sending me like, Hey, we got another book for you. Hey, we got another book for you. And eventually I did just the math where I said, okay, so I'm doing like maybe two books a month for this one client. And and I'm also working, you know, 40 hour weeks hauling steel out in the sun, <laughs> making $20 an hour. And at the end of the month, I would look and I'd say, those two books that I did just made me the same amount this month as, you know, working every single day hauling steel. And so then I said, well, if I could just get one more client that sends me two books a month, then suddenly I can actually drop this other job. But it's... It, there was a bittersweet sweet quality because I was like, every time I get out, they pull me back in. <laughs> <laughs> but then really the industry, just the, the greater publishing industry, I think is a really cool thing. The, the greater audiobook industry is also a really great community of people uh, on, on all sides of it. And then one, somewhere down the line, I did him for Serena Bowen and Al Kennedy. Oh, yeah. And that oh, man. book, like, just made the fans, suddenly made the fans go, who's this Teddy Hamilton guy? <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I just started getting, like, inundated with books. And, and yeah. like, people wanted Teddy Hamilton, read this book, read this book, Teddy. And so then I said, oh, I have a... I have a career now. <laughs> so now that's so now yes, now I'm in the point the point of like after I get off of this podcast, I need to get back to work because <laughs> that's sort of our That's how it our, works, yeah. yeah. So I'm good, done for though. the day. So when we're done with this I'm podcast, I'm done I, for the day. I'm gonna 
I'm gonna go. But see I mean, the, you know, the, the acting world in VO and on camera, <clears throat> you're in a you're in a world of it's always chasing that job, and you, yeah. you're lucky if you book like two or three jobs in a year. Mm-hmm. And the and audiobooks, there's there's so many books out there. There's a lot of people, and if you and if you care about story, if you care about honestly, if you care about the written word also and the way that that translates to audio, then you can make a you can make a good career doing this and it's not easy it's not easy but i've seen a lot of people try and i've talked to a lot of people in like out of like even trying and it's that's like part of my because i you know you get inundated with questions like how do you get into this and how do do i do this and i i i I do my best to talk them out of it and if i can do that then you're not gonna make it you're not gonna (laughs) yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna get through especially i remember getting the talk did I, did I try and talk you out of it that's, oh yeah that's, that's usually my spiel it's like you know yeah what? this is awful and work. i was like don't tell me i can't do it <laughs> it's not awful work it's great work it's, it's very hard it takes a very you did do the opposite. I tell everybody i tell everybody yeah. you should try it because maybe you maybe you'll be good at it maybe and like mm-hmm. what i what i the thing i always tell people is if you want to narrate audiobooks it's a marathon it's not a sprint yeah. it's something that you mm-hmm. want to do you're not everybody talks about audiobooks like it's something that you're just gonna like suddenly be like i am here and they're gonna be like oh, i'll read all of these books and like it's yeah. it's not that that's i think i think it's because they're so used to the it's generally actors are wanting to read audiobooks and they're so used to the the entertainment industry which is so hard to break into mm-hmm. that they think oh there's all this work and the fact of the matter is is that there is a lot of work there's a lot of work because these books are, you know, there's there's books all the time. People, the listeners want to listen to books. They want to, people who like to read books, read a book a week practically. Mm-hmm. But, but you as your own individual career, like even me, I, I'm doing very well now. But the first like five years of me doing this, I did, I was lucky if I had like five books the whole year. So it's not, it's not something that just happens overnight. And you really mm-hmm. no, get no, involved no. in you got to get involved in the industry, especially in romance. Mm-hmm. I think. I mm-hmm. think in romance, yeah. you really got to listen to the to the readers, like or the listeners, and you got to pay attention to what the genre is. Mm-hmm. It's a community. It's a it's yeah. a super tight knit community too. It's a um, the fan base, and you have to become a part of it. You have to if you want to make it. Yeah, um, and I do. Some, think some people that... don't, but oh, yeah. you know. It affects them. I, I think it takes like another level of acting as well, like personally. Like I think a lot of people think they can break into reading nonfiction because it's easy. Yeah. I'm using quotations there. Uh, um, I, love non- I love nonfiction. <laughs> nonfiction is like yeah. a totally, it's a totally different animal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Nonfiction is actually harder than what people think. It's not yeah, just- Yeah, it's way harder than people yeah. think. But then I think they think romance is either like laughable like if they've mm-hmm. never been mm-hmm. invested in the genre before they're like oh it'll be easy because you know I have a deep voice and I'm handsome so now I can do it mm-hmm. um but I think it requires so much more acting because you have yeah. to be able to portray like voices of other people but also sometimes the opposite sex but not mm-hmm. turn them into caricatures and yep. you know you also need to be able to read a sex scene without like giggling or like <laughs> and you need or to be able to it sell like it porn. Yeah, you know, or like making it, it over the top. Yeah, yeah. Can I, can, like... I, can I toss something else out? And I think I mean I want to actually toss it to Stella, but it's okay. No, I'm you're so, <laughs> listen to what I'm saying because I want. Okay. It's I had this thought <sighs> recently that it, you also cannot take the author out of it. 
You cannot right. take the fact that this is this story that's being told is a story that this author wrote. Mm-hmm. And they wrote it for a reason. And there's and and there's so much of them like imbued imbued into every single book that they write. And it might be some different angle of them, but it's always them. Yeah. And I think you need to listen to what they're saying. Listen to the story that they're writing. Like mm-hmm. does that make does that seem Yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah, take it all in. You have, to, you, have to, you have to bring it at you have to take it all in and then you, you take so, that in, you process it and yeah. Do you get notes from the authors that you do books for? Like who say, this is my vision for this character, like going into it or sometimes, do they kind the of just yeah, sometimes, let you Sometimes, but the thing. thing is authors aren't directors. So Mm-mm. sometimes authors don't know how to talk to an actor. Mm-hmm. They, they don't know how to use the right words that we're used to or that we understand. Um, performance wise so they'll try and tell us what they think their character i mean it is their characters and it's their story so it's they have their ownership of it but once they once it gets out of the written medium and it goes to something else Mm -hmm. a totally different animal now it's now it's my vision almost it's it's like i take your words i bring everything in and i interpret it and then i perform it so it's like it's it's different now it's like now there's a book and there's an audiobook it's not the same thing anymore it's it's a different it's like you gave birth to twin or it's to, a couple different kids different. yeah it's a different yeah. experience yeah, yeah. I, well and I, I think yeah. oh go ahead sorry Titty. No, no no please i've been we've talked go ahead <clears throat> I was just gonna say i think that that's also where the relationship with a producer can really help because authors who've never produced audiobooks before, and I think Katie, probably you have the same sort of mindset, is that if an author hasn't ever done an audiobook before and they're just sort of like stumbling around on ACX and hiring somebody, yeah. but then giving them like super detailed micromanaged notes, mm-hmm. it can really kill the performance Absolutely. Um, and, and put like a huge amount of pressure on the narrator to get it right and make it a really negative experience yeah. for everybody. Especially if the narrator is inexperienced, if they don't have enough experience, they're they're relying too heavily on what the author is telling them, and the and the information that the author is giving is it's it's sweet. I I get what they're trying to do, but it's it's also sometimes it's not. Um, I wouldn't say it's not helpful, but it's uh, if it'll pull you in a direction you don't really need to go. Yeah, yeah, want to be heard. They want to be heard. Mm -hmm. They wrote this book, and it Mm -hmm. matters to them. There's a lot of them themselves in that book that they've put in. They want to make sure that you know what like what they mean by it because yeah 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 and i think that goes back to what teddy um, said yeah yeah and one of the things that i have seen that i found really interesting instead of like super detailed character notes with a lot of the motivation of the character and things like that or i want it to sound exactly like this particular actor or um it's really helpful to have things like this is the accent that i want you know this is the basic information he's a grizzled old man teddy do your grizzled old man voice you're so good at it you know like that's what you can use as like a reference you know like if you've listened to it Mm -hmm. but then but then you have to let them kind of take it and do what they want with it but i have seen in scripts that i found very interesting was authors who put little notes that you can click on and it's just on the side Mm -hmm. of like during this scene this character is going through a really hard internal battle and i just want you to see here my note about it so that when you're reading it you can just keep that in your brain i find those that are, super helpful those are good notes those are director's notes yeah. that's what a director mm-hmm. would do for a scene like yeah if you're, if you're you know if you're in a scene in a film or whatever that's mm-hmm. what a director you know they pull you aside and say i want you to come in i want you to come at it from this place you know mm-hmm. don't forget so, what's going on inside your head here yeah 
Katie, do you spend some of your time then being as the producer, the go-between between the author and the actors? Is that like some of the responsibilities in your role? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably my main mm -hmm. responsibility. Yeah, is kind of taking the pressure off of the author and making it so that like, you know, the, the author doesn't need to constantly get in touch with everyone and make things, make sure things are on schedule or make sure the right accent is being used or anything like that. That's kind of, I'm kind of like a project manager. I'm just like mm -hmm. go between making sure everything's working out. And hey, here's 67,000 pickups. Cause you, cause yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, and, the producer is the, the most, yeah. And the producer is the, <laughs> They're the glue. They're the, the most important part of the project. They really are. They 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 help us. Like we narrate this stuff. Yeah, that's one side of it. But they corral everything. Mm -hmm. they, you know. mm -hmm. like she yeah, and we kind of keep the notes. Like like I really liked the point Stella was making about and and Aaron about like a good note. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll get a script and it has no notes, and it's kind of my job to be like, hey. I was clicking through and I noticed like there's a few things going on here. So it's kind of my job to pull those notes out of people sometimes. Um, but it's also my job to let people know when I think they need to like take a little bit of a step back if they're, you know, kind of going overboard with too many mm -hmm. notes and they're going to overwhelm the narrators. So it's kind of finding yeah. that perfect yeah. balance. And yeah. I mean, luckily, I've been, yeah, really lucky and just work with really great authors. So, mm -hmm. but you know, it does come up every now and again where you're just, yeah, you need to like provide more or less guidance. And, yeah. so, that, and sometimes a, they don't have notes at all and they won't give you notes. Like they yes. just don't, you know, and then yeah. you just okay. And sometimes that's more fun because you get to like explore more and interpret it entirely yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I've been on, I've been on jobs where I was just working directly for the author. They just hired me to do the thing. And I've been on jobs where it's for some publisher and I never, there's never any kind of anything from anybody, even the publisher mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't care. They just say, here's a book, read it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there's, it is a balance. I love, I love that you said there's sort of a balance that needs to be struck because I've been on jobs where the author, they, the author just wanted it to sound like what they hear it in their own head. But mm -hmm. if they're that controlling of the thing, then they just need to read it themselves. It's just that's you know, it's like, or they need to be in the booth with the person to say, <laughs> right? Oh, say, to, say but they'd be surprised because it won't actually sound the way they hear it in their head, even when they say it. Yeah. Or so. it's even better, you know, when somebody <laughs> yeah. takes it and, and they interpret it and they come up with it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't even think how that. Yeah. Where did you yeah. come up with that character? That character I didn't write that in the book. That where did you? <laughs> Like, and awesome. I think that happens more often than mm -hmm. not. Like they get, yeah. they go to beta listen and they're like surprised, like really pleasant. Yeah. Um, I just did like a, a program with Andy Arndt and Nana Malone called Audio and Color. And we were working with uh, authors who hadn't been published in audio before. And like all of them, their responses were like, oh, I don't know if I want to listen. But then like, as they started listening, they were like, this is so weird. It's like so strange. It's not what I pictured at all, but it's also like a million times better. And awesome. I think that's like hearing that from, I, I think, you know, once you've published, you know, a hundred audiobooks or something, you kind of get used to it as an author. But mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. hearing from like a first time author and audio is really exciting for that reason, because they yeah. really... Yeah get to hear what how the actors are interpreting interpreting everything yeah, yeah. i think it's always magic every time yeah. i listen to one of my own books that i wrote it's always magic yeah. like no matter what like it's just a <laughs> well your words experience. you're a brilliant writer so your oh, words your words bring <laughs> a lot more a lot to the table you know
I do have a couple authors who refuse to beta listen because they it just makes them uncomfortable. So I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't listen to my Mm -hmm. own work. I get that. And if I was writing if I was writing a book and I wouldn't want to listen to it either. People ask us how we listen. People ask us how we listen to our own podcast, and I'm like, well, I have to to make sure we don't sound like complete idiots. So I listen to like I I do snippets. Like I can't listen to like an entire episode the whole way through with me because I hate the sound of my voice. But great voice. Thank you. So I have a background in theater, and I imagine like blocking and notes on the scripts. But really, you mm-hmm. guys are just getting a manuscript, or are they formatted differently for you? Does the producer format that for you, the author? It, like it all, it's, it's rare. It's rare when mm-hmm. there isn't when it's not just uh, a manuscript. And a manuscript, yeah. or just yeah. a kitten. Well, not a Kindle copy, like a PDF copy. Mm-hmm. Or, okay, or just so you know that breaks my theater heart because, like, I really want mm-hmm. to just format them all for you as like <laughs> scripts because yeah. that would make me. It is notes. easier. There is if you work for, if you do any work for Audible and you're doing any work um, with their directed sessions, the scripts are totally different. They're yeah. they're in, they're yeah. in traditional. Script. If you're doing if you do voiceover work for animation <laughs> stuff, it's it's in that format. Or you know, there's scene numbers. Every scene has a number. Every yeah. line has a number, so you can go mm-hmm. back. And, and know. Stella does some of these. The, when uh, that comes into play, when it's multicast books, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Where yeah. where she has gone through and made sure that like each person's just like random, like yeah, I agree. Line that's like <laughs> mm-hmm. highlighted, yeah. you no, know, like buried in the middle of a paragraph has been highlighted so that I don't miss it. And yep. yes, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. Okay. And we love yeah. you for that. We do. Uh, well, we do you love know. you for that. Thanks. No, you know, I think it's important to set people up for success. <laughs> so <laughs> like the last thing, and you know, things get missed and you have to go get them in pickups later. But I think that it all depends on how you do the duet style too. Like if you do it separately when you're not together, then it's easier for things to be missed. But when we do it together and we're on a Zoom call and we're acting with each other, even if something is missed in highlight, you can be like, oh, that's your line, you know, quick, yeah. pick, go do it. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's but I think um, one of the things that authors should think about when they're doing things that are multicast or if they're doing duet style is making sure that your book is ready for audio, because Mm -hmm. a dialogue tag in a duet book that isn't needed just really kind of ruins the flow. You know, you don't need he said she said when it's two (laughs) people in the room. Because we know. See, I disagree. I disagree completely. In duet, I, though? I, in duet? Can I toss out? Can I toss it out? Oh, okay, all right, okay. Toss it out. The way that I've always... This is a unique art form. This isn't VO. This is audiobooks. True. And right. you are both acting and also reading somebody a book. Like, you just are. It may feel redundant at times to be like, I like this, he said. We know he said it because you did your, you know, big guy voice. But... It's also a book, you know, you're, t- you're reading somebody a book and people understand that language. Do you know what I mean? That's what they're used yeah. to when they read yeah. the book. So I think it doesn't, it's not jarring. I think it's not jarring. It's not jarring to me, I guess. Oh, I don't think it's, it's jarring. Not... I think your your brain just, just deletes it. And it doesn't even pay yeah. attention to it. Because it I feel it, like... It's like when you're reading it. When you're reading it, you don't pay attention to it. He said, it's just, it's... No, it's, it's, just, a, it's, it's, it's a, a line that gets tossed out. Yeah. 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 And I think that in dual narration... It totally makes sense to leave them in. Like yeah. it's 100% makes sense. But as a listener, my preference in a duet book 
is that when you're in duet and you're already there and it's much more of like almost a cinematic experience as you're listening to it, then the dialogue tag is, that's when the dialogue tag gets me because from there, when it's like, you know, she's, she's doing the narrative and then he has something and then she says, he said, and then he comes back in and says it again. Well, from her I point feel like, of view, isn't it? Yeah. So her hearing him say that, but then the he said brings it back to, to, to her inner world as she's experiencing the story. All right, listen, I'll drop <laughs> it, but I like it. We're going like <laughs> to. This is how Teddy and Stella fall out of love. <laughs> Teddy is willing to die over this. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna jump on the cross for this one. You take the, if you take Are we the picking dive, seconds in like ten spaces here? I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little worried at the moment. Oh, no. I just want to watch my first ever duel with Teddy Hamilton. Oh yeah, it's a whole different kind of duel. <laughs> yeah. You can't yeah. duel, Teddy. You have my name tattooed on your back. <laughs> Oh, okay. I do. Oh, I, I have he does. Hunter oh. test on my back. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Do you have a preference the way that you do your audio? Do you like the duet or do you like the duel? Like as a personal preference? Because I know I, you've all done both. As a personal I like preference, I like solo. Just as a person, I, I like, and it's not a control thing. I just, I, 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 that's what I prefer to listen to for some reason. I just like one. I like, a storyteller aspect but it's because mm-hmm. I, i've listened to audiobooks since i was a little kid so you know it was back in the 80s when you're listening to uh, cassettes and then cds and, mm-hmm. and uh they didn't have duet they didn't have dual you know any of that stuff until you had to flip the tape honestly, and like rather change. recently mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the past 10 yeah. years has changed um Put the record over but i i really love performing with other actors so i like the multicast that's that's mm-hmm. a lot of fun um mm-hmm. duet is uh the same uh dual i don't know i got mixed feelings about dual well dual dual is it's a lot of work it's a lot of extra it's a lot of work but it's uh, there's, there's there's different aspects of it because it's like i say okay so 2021 right this is 2022 right 2021, <laughs> I, I read like 120 something books um that year but most of it was all dual so it was really only i only read half of 120 or 130 something books so it's like from a working standpoint you're only getting paid for half a book you're mm-hmm. uh, but you still have to read you still got to prep the book you still got to understand where the story's going who the characters are you still have to collaborate use all this extra work whereas if you were just reading it solo you don't do any of that stuff you just you know well that yeah that's what i was going to say is that the when you're doing dual you're also competing with two different interpretations of the book. Yes. Yes. And that's another, yeah. yeah. It's way and you guys have to, to be, yeah, you have to be on the same page and you have other problems that come into play. Like you have to make sure you're pronouncing all the names yes. the same way. And there's, there's that you'd be surprised how often it comes up when it's like, shit, a lot. Is there really a different way to <laughs> oh say my this God, name? All the time. Becky, Becky is synonymous with pronouncing a name wrong. This really? is why I'm not an audio narrator, but a podcaster. <laughs> if I screw up a name, I can just like be like, hey, look, I'm we stupid. We just apologize ahead of yep. time. We make no I money. Just, we make no money, so we're fine. It's hard. And there are names that you think are going to be pronounced one way. And that oh might my be God, the you're only so way sure you've ever it. Yeah. heard it. Yeah. And then you get back 112 pickups and you're like, yeah. this is terrible. I should never do this job again. 
I mean, that's where author notes come in. That's uh-huh, when you need uh-huh. the author notes. Is like that, somebody yeah, that that's kind of stuff overseeing is. knows the pronunciation, mm-hmm. and then you mm-hmm. both are on the same page. We but have started to that. ask authors for phonetic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love a I love a good pronunciation. Right. Oh, but then she still says them wrong. <laughs> one time, one one no, time, not one time. <laughs> well, right. I said the okay. same no- name fifteen times wrong, but it was one name. That's true. And then it just like sits in there and you can't say it right. And I think also with the, when I talk about the, the point of like the interpretation of the book beyond just even just miss, you know, not having, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is you also have like, it's almost two different books sometimes for the listener's experience is that they're mm-hmm. hearing the way sure. that Teddy yeah. Hamilton interprets this character and that character and all these characters that are all shared, mm-hmm. shared characters that interprets the tone of this and what the importance of things are. Yeah, and then yeah. and then you hear what Stella is, and maybe that doesn't line up. And what you will mm-hmm. find is like people like Teddy and Stella books because me and Stella think you know kind of alike, so we sort of will interpret it similarly. But mm-hmm. that's not always the case with everybody. So there's somebody <laughs> you might do a book with, and you'll never do a book with them again. Right. And you'll find right. somebody else who you are constantly being paired up on books with, and that's yeah. probably I think because you have some kind of simpatico view of the world that then lets you interpret these books sort yeah. of in the same way so they feel like mm-hmm. they live in the same world together yeah. so the mm-hmm. listener isn't jarred into listening to two separate books in the same title. Well, I think yeah. part of it, though, like I'm not an audiobook listener. Like I did some samples to prep for this, but mm-hmm. I can read a book like way faster than I can listen to it. So I would just rather sit and read it. But I think part of it, though, is like the intonation and the cadence of the voice, because I listened to a sample where the two voices, I don't remember what book it was or anything, but they didn't mesh well. And it was like, as soon as like the female started, it was like jarring to my system. And I'm like, this is not okay. I don't like this at all. I just had a book. I don't want to say which one it was or who my co-narrator was on it, Mm -hmm. but I remember listening to them first. Before I started mm-hmm. recording my side, I listened to a bunch of their audible samples to yeah. be like, okay, what is, how does this yeah, person, do not only just like, what does their voice sound like, but how does this person read? Mm-hmm. There are like yeah. very mm-hmm. strict mm-hmm. Uh, reading styles as well. That then I was like, I, I want to make it so that at the very least when his character or her character talks, it could be a boy or a girl. I'm not even talking about a guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it could be either one that that when they talk there's some kind of link that i'm yeah. at least kind of speaking the way the same way that that your entire experience listening to that person's chapters is going to you'll find a link there by me mm-hmm. kind of doing i guess it was an impression an impression it's not really an impression but just like mm-hmm. picking up on cadence picking up on the way the pace of their the rhythm of their language you know their delivery you have to you have to know their delivery at least a little bit Otherwise, it is jarring. Yeah, I think you gotta that, get a and that's feel for where, their style. Yeah, yeah, Everyone has and that's where casting, style. like casting, is so important, and it it's yeah. one of the things that the producers do. And like lyric does it super well, and um, you know, you always see people who are cast together who complement each other. You know, because yeah. there are going to be those moments where you've got a a voice that is so dramatically opposed to the other voice that it will be a jarring experience. So, Katie, and I think that's had- like important. Katie, have you had to kind of redirect authors to be like, listen, Sam and Kate, their voices don't mesh well. 
you aren't gonna um, I want this. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I would I would never like tell an author no if they had like favorite mm-hmm. narrators because everyone has, you know, their favorites and you they want should. them to like get together. I'm just saying <laughs> you, like, should. you know, you, it's like kids with their barbies, they like want them to kiss yeah. like with their voices really badly. Um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I've definitely had instances where somebody requests um narrators that I don't think are the right fit for like the subgenre. And mm-hmm. I don't right. think that they're gonna like yeah, like, or maybe one of them is the right fit, but the other one isn't. Like, you know, if, if you have a narrator who's doing like rom-coms all the time, you don't want to just throw them into a dark romance out of nowhere, especially mm-hmm. if you're pairing them with somebody who does dark romance all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say mm-hmm. I give hard no's. I just try to give like nudging advice. Gentle guidance. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, well. But that's or, like the fun know. stuff. Casting is like the mm-hmm. most fun be part of being a producer. Okay. Yeah. No, not everybody is you. No. People can't. We're not I embrace the mean. We're not Listen, mean. one of we the things that drives me bonkers in audiobooks and with the casting will be like, I'm really into one voice and it's really great. And then we switch over to the next voice and the pace is so much slower. And it and it's just the cadence and pacing in which that actor speaks. And it can actually throw off your immersion into the story. And that's something that with audiobooks that we get, instead of reading the book, we because we are now using other senses, we're immersed into the world differently. And when that pacing changes so drastically, you're like thrown off. And then you yeah. have to read adjust so mm-hmm. well, but we had an instance where that for our drunk book club there was a a book that people were reading a lot of people did the audiobook but the audiobook was not well done and so they didn't enjoy the book at all because yeah. the audiobook yeah. it they yep. said that like the narration didn't match the the style of the book well because it was single narration happen. and it yeah, was it a lot of internal monologues Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I think that that is something that is, um, you know, a risk anytime you're putting a book into audio because it is really um, an intimate experience for the listener and not everybody is going to have the same experience. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to like there are voices that people love that just really don't tickle my ears at all. And it's mm-hmm. not because I they're not good at their job. It's just that they're not for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I'm not going to love everybody's voice. Um, just like I don't love every instrument. And also, I think one of the great things about the the Audible apps, not just Audible, but every app you can listen on, for the most part, you can speed up the narration. And so if you have something where they are suddenly slower and you want to keep listening, you can speed that up so that you can get it. And I did that. I had a book that I was listening to where it was narrated with a, a very slow pace and it was harder for me to listen to. So I bumped up that speed to like 1.5 and it changed the whole thing for me and made it like, great, this is perfect. Cause it doesn't like distort the voice so much. doesn't make him sound like a chipmunk or anything. It just yeah. speeds it up a little. And, and then it fixed everything for me. And like, some people just do have slower paces. Some people speak slower in general or read slower in general. And or they're, or I they sometimes go too fast. To, or they think they're supposed yeah. to. That's another, mm-hmm. This is the thing when I say you're acting, but you're also reading a, uh, someone a book. That's two mm-hmm. schools of thought within narration. There's yeah. people who mm-hmm. don't think you should even act during during the book. You should mm-hmm. gotta, mm-hmm. don't make any bold choices because the listener should be the one filling in all those things. And you're just providing the words in audio. That's all you're doing. You're not going to be 
you know, acting or pretending or doing voices or doing any of this stuff. That's a school of thought. Mm -hmm. in that really is. That's a, that's a that's a strong school of thought, and that school of thought doesn't really apply towards the romance genre. It would be hard in romance, I think. But right. also, yeah. but you will, but you will even within, you'll find. Uh, you still hear it. It's a yeah. spectrum. Mm -hmm. You'll see mm -hmm. people who just like go all out. It's a subtler me here. It's a much. It's a very subtle medium. It's a very intimate medium. So you need to. Yeah. There's a lot. There's, there's actually a lot to think about now that. And I, I think that's what makes a really great narrator, um, and in general, like a production, is that when you get narrators that care a lot and they are yeah. doing check-ins, like even just simple ones, like Teddy just said, where he goes and listens to samples of, of mm -hmm. the narrator's voice, so he has an idea of what they sound like. Like that's kind of you know, it, it just shows that it's like somebody who cares about it. When you're hearing a book where you think that their cadences and maybe their tone or maybe their speed don't match up well, like to me as a producer, that tells me that the narrators behind the scene weren't communicating with one another yeah. and, or they weren't like checking in on one another, or, you know, if one of them recorded, they didn't listen in. Um, so that's just the only way to prevent that is like by working with narrators that are mm -hmm. really devoted to the craft and really like yeah. devoted to romance in particular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, sometimes I'll go in and I'll, usually we have like a shared Dropbox or something, you know, and yeah. if I know that my co-narrator has recorded before me, then I'll go in and just have a quick little listen That's to a couple so minutes. Wonderful. That's so you know? wonderful. That's what I've started. I've started doing that because sometimes the, the co-narrators won't share anything. I'm mm -hmm. usually behind. I'm almost always way behind my narrators, <laughs> like my co-narrators. I'm usually the one following up, and I always go like, ah, you know, tell me if you did anything crazy, and, mm -hmm. like, I'll follow your lead. You make the choice, and I'll just do whatever you say. I don't mind. It's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then, but what's so great is when there's a shared Dropbox, and I can yep. go and just, like, and just go like, Let's oh, see. what did they do? Let me listen to them. Yeah. What nonsense yeah. did Stella if the information is there, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely going to. It surprises uh, me that, like, not everyone just does that automatically. Like, it kind of seems like a no-duh. I think um, people think they can't. I think people think that it's like an invasion of yeah, listening to somebody's raw audio. It's like, yeah, they're, it's uh, like, I don't want to, you know. I don't want to, I also don't want to make choices based off somebody else's choices. Sometimes actors get like a little territorial over their section, you know, well, there's, really also, actors, but but there's also just the, the coordination is hard because our schedule isn't the same. We're not working mm -hmm. on about the same week. So then like yeah, when yeah. you're asking me about this book that I'm not doing for another month, like, mm -hmm. I don't even know, I don't know anything about this book. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because yeah, your head is a thousand percent into the current project that I'm but working on. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on yeah, something yeah. else. So I have yeah. no idea anything and I can't help you at all. That's why I usually, that's usually why I say just please, if you do anything like really bold or like crazy, you make like a big character choice, please tell me. Yeah. If you're just going to, if you're just going to like, because there's the opposite of that where you get people who will give you their descriptions of every single thing that they mm -hmm. did and I go like cool I'm sure that yeah. will be a very dynamic performance on your part that I'm not going to sound anything like because <laughs> yeah. I'm a guy yeah. or a girl or something and your voice is what the, the thing I always ask for is where did you put them on did you put this character higher or lower mm -hmm. and I can yeah. fill that in so that at least when you know when Karen is talking to Lily Lily has the high voice and Karen has the mm -hmm. low voice. And those two voices are going to sound completely different in my chapters. But at the very least, there will be consistency in that Lily has the higher voice. Mm -hmm. And and whatever the other characters yeah. do. That That's the collaborative part. <laughs> that, 
Yeah. And that's also where a good editor comes in is because like so many times, like that's, I get that in pickups, like pretty frequently. Usually the editor will check in with me first and be like, Hey, like, you know, narrator A interpreted this character this way and narrator B interpreted them this way. Like, which one do you want to go with? Like who gets the pickups? And that's kind of, you know, but it's the editor's job. Like if they're a good editor, they catch that stuff too. So Mm -hmm. there's like a chance to Mm -hmm. fix it before it goes out into the world. So we know what a pickup is. At least I do. I don't know if Leah does. but I do. Can you please, just for those that are listening, tell them what is a pickup? What, when you say, bane of my existence. Um, (laughs) Pickups are mistakes or choices that you make that need to be corrected. So, so, so during our book, Aaron uh, called him Paul uh, Giuliani and I called him Paul Gigliani. And I said it all wrong and I, and I screwed it up. But then the author came back and said, no, it's actually Gigliani. So now Aaron has to do all 150 of uh, 150 instances of yeah. showing up. In yeah. That's a pickup. But it's also misreads, you know, like um, you're supposed to say the bids are due and you say the birds are due. Or you mm-hmm. are supposed your to like. growling underneath. Some, the... Yeah. There's a car that you can't, you didn't hear and you didn't stop for, you know, like. Stuff like that that you don't realize is in there that needs to get redone. And there, or like there you distort be, it or something, you know. There used to be a time when pickups were only if you like, if you really changed the meaning of the sentence, then yeah. they would make you do it. Like you said something that, that makes the meaning of the sentence different from what's in the text. But sometimes it's just a if or they or whatever, you know, you just make some tiny incorrect word that they would normally get rid of. But ever since they entered positron into the game which mm-hmm. is an ai uh like proofing thing yeah. that then will will find every, every every instance single thing it and so does now it finds you're, everything you're going through you're going through books where you're going through books where the where you would have probably ended up if it was a human editor you probably would have ended up with seven pickups but now you have like 67 pickups and part of that is also that the poor editor they don't want to ignore one because because mm-hmm. now Positron has said, hey, here's a mistake. And yeah. like even if the human editor says, well, I mean, it doesn't really change. The, they don't want to be the one to make that decision because now what yeah. if they get in trouble from their Because it's been called or, out. Yeah. Or somebody. Yeah. yeah. So then, now that's their reputation on the line. So then they go, oh, yeah, you I mean he was supposed to say this and he said this other thing. Mm-hmm. So then now we just as a as an industry have become way more pickups than we than mm-hmm. used to have back in the day. Yeah. At I least it gives you all zero your pickups, pickups every now and I, again. Every once in a while it's magic. <laughs> and I, especially when it's a dual narration. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what both? Like it's so I special. Did, I did just have one like with six pickups and I was like, Either he wasn't paying attention, or I did a great <laughs> no, There's job. always the, that story about too. Yeah. I did get a, a book recently star. where I was like, I got one pick. I was like, hey, I wouldn't have even bothered to take this, but it was actually the wrong word. And it, you know, it did, did, you know. So yeah, I did have one book recently that had one pickup. But also, but also, I was, I'm, I was like, I'm never. I make up words left and right. I'm always <laughs> like 20, 20 pickups at minimum. That's, that's <laughs> it's just me. It's not you and Teddy. Kindred spirits here. I make up words too, or fake words that Leah's like, what did you just say? Our like, brains just kind of do it though. Like yeah. my brain tends to, I kind of read ahead. So sometimes I'll pick up a word from the next sentence and pop it in there and it still makes sense. And yeah. so my brain doesn't stop me. 
you know, mm-hmm. and then I, um, you know, then it's great. It's, it's Katie. I think I'm doing a project with you in uh, December or January. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> well, there's also but, yeah. author, author, what do you call it? Is it prose? What's the thing where the way in which they, you know, will form a sentence? Prose. Mm-hmm. Is it prose? Yeah. It's like, it's, they'll, they'll do kind of, they'll have a little bit more poetry in them. They'll have uh-huh. a little bit more of an idea that they like the idea of, mm-hmm. you know, finding interesting ways to 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 say words. Well, and, and how does and, how does that play for you guys? Because there are some authors, and I know Leah can think of one like right off the top of her head, who she really does write in poetic prose. Like I love her it. her writing style so has much. a cadence to it. Mm-hmm. And as a reader, it can actually mm-hmm. be very difficult to read. You have to well, be Well, but part of it focused. is her books are really, like, emotional. And, like, mm-hmm. so it's, like, you have to be in also, the right headspace for that. There's an author that I love. Experiences oh, is then kind of, like, walking through that maze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of fun to piece it together and figure out what it is. And so I think yeah. when you're narrating that, you have to also, like, add into it a joy of words, like a mm-hmm. joy of how to, you know, just indulge in the language of it itself while you're also telling the story. Yeah. I love words. I love, I love when that I found an author that Teddy. writes. Oh, oh, yeah, it was really, it, it truly, honestly, the first book that I narrated with Teddy was written by an author that just has a very poetic way of writing. That's A.M. Johnson. Oh, I love has that a very, so much. She just has a really beautiful way of putting together sentences. She thinks a lot about it because she's a poet. Mm-hmm. She writes poetry, yeah. which mm-hmm. is also a writer. It's called Let it's There Be Light. And if you haven't listened to it, you need to go yeah. do that right now. That is still that is still one of my favorite, one of my favorite. Beautiful. Videos. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, that book. I love words. I love, I love when an author spends a significant amount of time putting together brilliant prose. It's wonderful to read it. It rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Nice. You can tell when an author is very invested in what they're putting on the page, too. You know, you can really tell when they're bleeding the words onto the page versus when they are um, maybe struggling to get it out. You know, like because you can feel it. Well, it's worth because we're very connected to it. But you also you also want to. This is why I, I I go back to the idea of that you are reading the book that the author has written like you this you are mm-hmm. very much telling you are the author in a way uh, you're not the author yourself but that you're bringing your the characters to life though but it's your responsibility yeah. to know who the like what the author is saying and you can see it in the book you can see mm-hmm. it in the way that they do care about their words and their prose then you know that mm-hmm. they have this love for language if or, or you can tell by how deep into the minds of people they go that they really care about like what, how our brains work and how, what makes us feel things. And, you know, or they talk about society. They talk about the mm-hmm. way that people treat each other. And that's the thing that they, that they spend most of their time talking about. So then, you know, like this mm-hmm. is what's important to the author. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the character's journey and their growth. And they're realize it. Usually there's like a theme of some kind. A lot of the time it's something like found family. And you are realizing yeah. that yeah. these these people understand what we all go through in our search for finding a place where you belong. Because everybody goes through that. You know, nobody just belongs. So mm-hmm. when you have authors who give you that and show you that, you know, anyone 
who is your the main character of this story, whatever story it is, they're going to find their people who love them and they're going to build their family in whatever way that looks like for them, especially in a romance. You're going to find that a lot. Are there any books that you, any of you have narrated that it sticks with you for like days after you've finished? Yeah, there was one recently. It was chapter 12. There's a specific chapter in a book that hit me. It was because I related so, so, so closely to it. It was a really hard chapter and I almost put that, I, I was thinking, I was contemplating the idea of just reading the entire book and then going back to that specific chapter because I, I prepped it. I actually over I, I prepped that particular chapter a few a few times just to, so I could get myself kind of I uh, wouldn't be so bring the right emotions but not to not overdo it because it is a very mm-hmm. subtle medium you don't want to go too crazy too far um but yeah there was I, did, I didn't do that I ended up I read a few chapters ahead and I was like nah, this isn't working for me so I went back and I read that chapter and I had to stop for the day mm-hmm. that one stuck with me for for several days yeah, yeah. One in particular for me that sticks out is one I did with Teddy. And I think it was maybe my, no, it wasn't my first book with you. But it was my first book that wasn't one of my own. And it was Ripple Effect by Jay Benson. Yeah, totally. That's what I knew. Oh, God, that book. It was an, ex- and we both sort of had the same experience and we weren't doing it together. But I remember after you did it and you messaged me and you were like, fuck this book. Yeah. <laughs> really? And then we just, it was like we were bonded because of the experience we had doing the book, you know, and it was. When I found out that that author was in, was at Philly, I was like, uh-huh. I want to meet her. I want to meet her. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a great her. book. Yeah. Trying so to find the, uh, the author. Okay. It was. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the book that I was talking about was called Closer by A.K. Evans. It was chapter 12, if you get to that. You know, I've had I've had a bunch of weird experiences recently where this is not one book that sticks out to me, but there is... I have found myself in these situations where... I, like this, a lot this year, where things are happening in the story that is directly linked to, like, things that are happening in my life. And oh, like, that's hard. What the hard. fuck is going on? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. Those are tough books. Yeah, that was what happened in that in that book I was talking about. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. this is too much, man. This is this is this is hard shit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But it's but then it but then it does what I think is the purpose of it because then it it has some kind of if it sometimes it's just catharsis, but sometimes I was it's just gonna say, like, yeah. but yeah. sometimes it's also like to see somebody else going through something similar and seeing how they do it and mm-hmm. seeing maybe something that I, some angle that I didn't see to it or seeing something that this author has decided to tell a story about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and, and seeing love come yeah. out of that. Like that's the best mm-hmm. part of romance is you can address all of these deeper, darker things going on either within yourself or um, within society. And then you can, tell a story that still somehow at the end is joyful and gives you yeah. like hope yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it gives you that hea that you know yeah. you might be in the middle of that moment feeling like you're never gonna see the other side of this yeah but this as, person did and books never... do that too i'm like listening mm-hmm. to some books like i think kennedy ryan for me is that author like when i'm listening mm-hmm. to her i'm just like how are they gonna ever get together this is so sad and like i'll just get so overwhelmed and then like she always somehow pulls it out and i think that's a sign of a really good author for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's there's also this there's this specifically about the romance 
genre. I don't know. I read a lot of books, but I think I, what happens, like so much of life just fucks you up. I think, yep. I think there isn't, you couldn't go to anybody on this planet who doesn't have something that has fucked them up in some way. Like, in different varying degrees of that, it's a whole spectrum there. And sometimes those fucked up things just mean that you're, you know, you're scared of spiders or whatever. But that's what then you really linking with somebody. That's what love and romance and, like, joining mm. your life to one other person is about. Like, that's the only person that sees all those parts of you. That's the only person who, like, understands all those parts of you. And that's what happens in all of these books. Yeah. And accepts, accepts, accepts all those parts yeah. of you. Yeah. 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 And helps you be a better version of yourself too. You know, because yeah. when, you, when you can love yourself, then you can love other people. And that's a cliche, but it's true. So for sure. Yeah. What is one thing you wish that consumers of audiobooks knew? Like there, you know, there's been lots of stuff you know, rumblings within the world. And, you know, we had the big blow up over on TikTok. But I think that that's something that people don't understand. You know, some of the pieces and parts that go into audio books and audio production and narration. So if you could make people understand one thing, one thing, what would you want them to know about audiobooks? Oh, man. <laughs> We're asking um, the tough questions. The amount of work. Oh, I, I don't want. I don't even want to. This is it's such a. It doesn't even bother me how people consume their media. That it doesn't really bother bother me. But for some reason, when I think about how much effort I put into something, and then I, the idea of somebody listening to it twice as fast as what I chose, I, for some reason, it irks me so much. I have a statement <laughs> on this. Can it, I? I, can I, I know, yeah, and it, it, it's fine. It's just fine. I, it doesn't really bother me, but it really. Like when I think about it, I was like, man, should I have just read that twice as fast? Is it just no? But I let me let me just I know this sounds go for preachy, it, Stella. But... Do it. Okay, let me tell you because I used to be like, this is my fucking performance. I I've worked really hard on this, and now you're speeding it first. Way the up very and, first time, you know, yeah, yeah. The very it's, first it was time. like it hurt my heart. It made yeah. me upset because I was like, oh, you're missing all the nuance, but. Then I had somebody who was very kind, uh, a neurodivergent person who explained to me that when she listened to the book at normal speed, she could not actually do it. She couldn't track what was happening. She had no idea what was going on. And it was a painful listening experience for her because of the way her brain works yeah. with ADHD. And my son has ADHD. And I never thought about this. But then when she told me that she speeds it up to 3.0 speed, and I was like, that is insane. How do you understand? She was like, if I listen to it at 3.0 speed, I can track everything that's happening. My brain can process what's going on, but I cannot do it at a slower speed. And so that's why I speed it up. And I was like, I am never going to get upset about it again. I mean, I, and, I, yeah. I don't think I'm neurodivergent, but when I listen to audiobooks, I start thinking about other stuff. Like, oh, yeah, that, me too. That's, that's, the, yeah. that's the hardest part about audiobooks, in my personal opinion, is that there's much more mind wandering that takes place when you're listening to an audiobook than when you're reading a book. Because when you're reading a book, your, your mind might wander, but you kind of like, and then you'll go, oh, I just read a whole 
page and I wasn't paying attention to what mm-hmm. I read. And then you'll mm-hmm. just go back and like start at the top of the page again and, mm-hmm. and, and read it. But yeah. when yeah. you're in an audio book, yeah. it's kind of like, I don't know how to go back by two minutes and 30 seconds because I don't know how long ago. I don't know when I stopped. Paying. Yeah, when did you check out? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I don't and I, so then it's it's hard to do that, but I I actually do kind of as a narrator, it's probably terrible, but I do like to listen to them sped up because it's just it keeps my attention more, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I think that was the key piece for me with her was when she was like it it makes me overwhelmed when I have to listen at a regular speed because I feel stressed out that I can't track it. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So then it changed my perception of that a whole lot because I realized that, that like, that makes sense. from my lens, this is like, how very dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but then when I hear this other person show it to me, you know, I'm not meaning it because I just don't want to listen to you. I'm, I'm saying it because I can't. And I was like, okay, all right, then. <laughs> That my, makes my sense. my note to my the thing I would want the 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 consumer to know is it's okay, you yeah, it's okay. you do it the way you want to do it and enjoy it the mm-hmm. way that you want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's your thing. You do it. That's mm-hmm. what I would say. Mm-hmm. Don't let the people who don't let Becky don't let Leah make you feel bad for listening to books <laughs> because she likes. To ruin oh no, it. I'm fine with it. I just like well, and actually that's funny because. Like as you're talking about that, because I can read like a 300 page book in like two hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like if I email an author like a few hours after I got the book, like I always feel really bad because I know how much work goes into it. And Becky mm-hmm. has done this before too, but we just are so excited to tell the author about how we love their, how much we love the book and like the book that they gave us. And it's like, it just came out and it's noon. Mm-hmm. you have not mm-hmm. even had the book for like 12 hours i'm like yes yes i know but it was that good that i just You're couldn't speed put reader. it down i am a speed mm-hmm. reader and so yeah. I, mm-hmm. I can read a mm-hmm. lot of books which is great for me but then i do feel bad for the authors because i know like developmentally editing like i know how much work and time goes into like from start to finish and it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. but i loved it so i'm going to tell you how much i loved it and i will read mm-hmm. it again <laughs> I mean, in a way you're like passionately devouring it. It's not an insult if you look at it like the way that you're actually consuming it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I I passionately devour (laughs) (laughs) Daily, Um, is that how we say it? Daily? (laughs) Daily. I think for me, what I would want the consumer to know is um, just how much work, like as far as like investment goes, like behind the scenes, like Mm -hmm. for time, money and talent, and I mm-hmm. think sometimes, um, like I'll see comments like on authors' Facebook pages or on Instagram or something like, oh, when is this coming to audio? And people frustrated if they say, oh, I'm not doing it in audio yet, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's a new series, I'm going to see how it goes and and that kind of thing. And, you know, some people get really upset about it. And um, yeah, I think I would just want to reiterate to people that like, it's such an investment. It's, you know, and mm-hmm. looking at your your manuscript differently, if you've never done audiobooks before, you kind of have to think about it a little bit differently than you have, you know, published your print books. Um, and that can be really overwhelming for a lot of people. So just yeah. like practicing patience, it like, it does suck when your favorite book isn't an audio. Um, but it's, yeah, not just a time investment. It's like a, a big expenditure and it's also stressful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
Um, I think one thing that I might say would be to remember that authors and narrators are humans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We are human people. (laughs) And don't tag them in bad reviews. That's, you know, like, well, yeah, please don't tag anybody in a bad review. It's okay to have a bad review. It is okay if you hate Stella Hunter with the fire of a thousand suns. (laughs) Just don't tag her. Yeah. And tell her that. We actually take this to the next level because I have very intense feelings about reader spaces versus author spaces. Mm -hmm. And I do not tag authors, period, in a good or bad review. It goes against everything I have because I am not reviewing for you. I'm reviewing Mm -hmm. for the other readers and the other listeners. And, um, so, I mean, I will, you know, I will say the name of the book, who the author was, who the audio narrators were, if I listened to the book. Um, mm-hmm. But I am not tagging you in any of my reviews. And that's been kind of this learning curve with the podcast, because now we straddle this weird mm-hmm. line where and plus, because we work in publishing and we have friends that are authors that are our coworkers that, you know, have hired us and engaged us for things that, you know do we tag the author because we reviewed their book on an episode so that they know and they can share it with the readers? Cause we only tend to share positive reviews. Like if we're going to put time and energy into mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. episode, it's going to be a review that people, you know, telling people go read the book. But um, yeah, we don't, it's a big deal for me, the review mm-hmm. stay away from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have I very strong like, feelings. You know, there's no reason. Like, I wouldn't go up to you if I saw you at a grocery store and be like, you know, I really think the way you parked your car was stupid. <laughs> like, I wouldn't do that. Like, why? Although you want to gonna... sometimes. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe, but I'm not going to be like, also, oh, you I walk the person. weird. What, what, I, think what Becky, I think what Becky is saying is that though you can go up to the cashier and be like, man, there's somebody out there who parked like sure, a truck. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, you totally yeah. can. And you just but, hope it's you know, not the cashier yeah. who parked that way. <laughs> right. You know, that's yeah, that's a whole different animal. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So just asshole. you know, remember that we're humans, I guess is the big thing for me is yeah. respect boundaries that people have and so I have a really big voice. I'm very passive aggressive. So I would just walk into the store, even if the person was right there and be like, Wow, whoever drove that red van is a big asshole. I'm a bitch. You're also a petty bitch. I'm a petty bitch. (laughs) Put her petty pants on. Do not come to Ohio if you park like assholes because I will very loudly, inappropriately tell you. Um, I think that's everything. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? We are so excited to have you here. Um, We know that our community is going to love listening to this is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we say goodbye um not everybody jump in at once here <laughs> i don't know like, i'm thinking, I'm thinking hard too my brain is it's been a very long day so this i was is gonna the say very long days. so i'm trying yeah, to get I've, my brain i've been scottish all day that's been my you know, you know <laughs> i'm tired the only thing kind of scottish yeah. kind of along with what, what uh, uh, katie was saying hey. is that there is this there's such an interesting trail from when when a when a story when an idea is just an idea in the author's mind and then when it passes through 
you know, everybody, like all the different phases that it goes through, through Leah, through Becky, through uh, Katie, through me and Aaron, through, you know, like there's so many these things that, that just started at one point as just an idea in somebody's head that then goes through so many different paths before it finally gets to the listener and to the reader. It's just interesting to me. I have nothing, no insight to bring to it other than just that I find it very interesting. And like one of the things I've always wanted to do was to bring in all like where it goes, you know, who's the, who, who carries the Olympic torch at what point it starts in the mm -hmm. mind of the author. And then it goes to this person and this person does this to it. And then it goes to this person and then it goes to this person and, really and everybody adds some, mm -hmm. some mm -hmm. element to this thing before then it finally lights the Olympic torch and the, all the listeners can listen to it or yeah. read it. Interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. well I would add Teddy. kind of on a different note, but kind of connected too is just that for people that, um, for authors specifically who haven't published an audio before, mm -hmm. um, but are like thinking of dipping their toe into the water to just like not be afraid to experiment. And mm -hmm. as you kind of heard throughout the episode, like narrators have uh, different styles that they like to do, like dual or duet or full cast. And just mm -hmm. like them, you as an author can kind of develop that taste and your audience will also develop that taste. So, yeah. um, mm -hmm. you know, it's always worth like trying once or twice mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And a really good way to do that is by trying a, a novella. And, yes. you know, that way you can keep yes. the cost low and you can kind of experiment with what type of audiobook you want to produce. Um, yeah. And it gets you into the audio world so that you can kind of see what it's like and see what producing yeah. is like. So I'd really encourage it. If you're thinking about getting mm -hmm. into audio, I would 100% say to try it. Um, the audiobook romance community in particular is so rabid and so welcoming. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, just. Yeah, we love it. a novella. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I can fit a novella in my schedule. Yeah, always. Yeah. I Much love easier, novellas you know? it's you're, great. Like, you're like, oh, it's one hour. Great. I got it. I can yeah, do yeah, it. Exactly. But, then also, but then also, if you're going to, if Katie didn't, isn't, didn't we just have this where, where somebody was it, was it the uh, key feeling? What the creep feeling? What's her state? What's her name? I can never say her name correctly. <laughs> um, it's so good at this job. Well, yes, of course. No, but uh, you know the the lucky the arrogant bastard crew. What is it? Oh God, oh, they called yeah. Keelan. What's her yeah, name? Bye, Keelan. Bye, Keelan. Penelope yeah. Ward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. didn't they the just cocky. do? A, didn't cocky. they just have a cocky hero club? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, didn't they just have a, a novella that that you? Was it you? I don't mind. It no. was me. I sprung it on you last minute. No, but, no, but there was a novella <laughs> that then. As they were writing it, maybe and this might not be you now that I think about it, is that, that then as they were writing it, then, oops, actually turned into a full length. But like I'd already like reserved spots in my schedule to, to fit in a novella that's now like gone from a one day record to like a three day record or something because they just started writing and couldn't stop. Oh. Wow. <laughs> that, that just happened to me. I mean that yeah, wasn't them recently, but maybe it's it might not have been you. Now that I now that I realize, I don't think it was you because yeah, no. I feel is, that I know who it is, was, but I'm not going to say. Yours is that there was a there was a uh, there was a book, but then also novella tacked onto it. Yes, that, we just that, tacked on a, a uh, fun Christmas novella with yeah. Teddy. So I snuck <laughs> right Teddy in at a Christmas no Teddy and I just did a Christmas novella. Yeah, I feel like Christmas together. is like because we're so yeah. ahead yeah, of everything. I just booked one, yeah. Yeah, I just booked a Christmas mm -hmm. novella. 
I was going to say, I was editing Christmas books back in May and June. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm like sweating in the booth and talking about wearing a sweater and jeans and boots and being like, oh, God, no. (laughs) I did a I did a I did a a Halloween book in maybe May or something like Mm -hmm. that. My holidays are messed up because like you, we are editing in advance. And Uh so, uh you know, books that don't release for some time and we're like, you know, it's 4th of July and fireworks and the book I'm editing is talking about pumpkins and Uh falling. It's the supply chain. It's the supply chain. Uh Right. Oh, I do have one last thing I wanted to touch on. Okay. Since we're talking about authors who maybe have never done audio before and who are like trying to figure it out, I have very strong, very biased feelings about AI narration. Yeah. And I just want to say this one as a listener, two as a narrator, and three as a producer. <laughs> AI narration is is putting is going to put actual humans out of work. So that for me is a sticking point but also it's not good and authors really often talk about well it's too expensive for me to put my books in audio but if I can do this then I can get listeners and I can get people to do audio book to listen to my audio books they will not listen to you if you give them that as your entry into audio because what that says they would hate it so much what they would do is they would say well this author doesn't really care about the listener at all so we'll find an author who does so i just want to say yeah and if you can't afford to produce an audiobook unfortunately that tells me that you're not making enough money as an author to invest in audiobooks so Mm -hmm. you're not going to make your money back and that means even if you get a cheap ai program to produce it for you you're not going to make that like much money regardless. And it's not, it's not time for you yet. You know, like it's just not time yet. And my advice would be to budget for the audio book, strategize way ahead, plan to have your audio book made. Ideally, if you can get a simultaneous release with your audio book and your ebook, which is a huge investment up front, it is a, but it is like investing in a good cover. You know, it's like investing in editing. Mm-hmm. If you are able to plan far ahead, budget, save your money from your business and invest it back into your business by p- providing a product that is a wonderful listening experience, mm-hmm. as well as releasing a polished book that is to, you know, with a marketable cover, it's going to take you a lot farther than putting out crappy AI audiobooks. And, uh, you know, I just Google is really pushing it to authors. And I just wanted to kind of put that out there. I've been very vocal about it and I will continue to be because one, I think narrator's jobs are very important. And Mm -hmm. I think that this is the livelihood for most narrators. This is your entire career. And so I hate to see the predatory practice of trying to get authors in under the guise of free audiobook production. Yeah. And so- that's my soapbox, and I just really wanted to <laughs> no, I'm stand glad up there for a up. minute. Yeah. You may I'm stand glad you brought it up. as tall yeah. as you want on there. You got to think big picture. You, yeah. You're not going to make, you're probably not going to make much money on your first audiobook or your second mm-hmm. or your third. But if you 
look at the big picture and you look far enough out and you plan ahead like what Stella did or what Kim did. Um, you guys are one of the, you guys kind of figured out almost the algorithm, like you and Lauren Blakely and uh, trying to think of another series of authors that really did really started doing really, really well and figured out like the, the whole, like if you put all your stuff out, your Kindle, your hardcover and your audiobook out on the release mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. your odds of making your money back on that audiobook especially are just much, much higher. Well, that's when you're it the most It took you a while about. to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's absolutely. well, it's it, financially, it's very hard to do, you know, yeah. like, until I finally was like, I'm just going to bite the bullet and I'm going to do it, you yeah. know, and I'm going to build it into my release plan. But yeah. I also was very much, I was much more established by that point, yeah. you know, and I yeah. had audiobooks and they were all taking a year to earn out. And it was, it, it was not easy. And I was building up to using more top tier narrators and like working on getting there. But it really took some like hard conversations Mm -hmm. and really sitting down and doing the thing I hate the most, which is math. (laughs) And, you know, like, but, but I think it's very important. So people who are serious about building their audiobook audience need to remember that an audiobook audience is very different from an ebook audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Listeners, the majority of listeners don't also read, you know, they will if they have to, but they want to listen for the most part. So if you're able to build this audience of people who can trust that you're going to give them a really good quality audiobook. One, they'll wait for you. Yeah. But two, if you're able to do simultaneous release, they're going to show up for you. Yep, they will. So, yeah. 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 Think big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, know that, that, that if you stick with it in the long run, it is going to work out. Once you build your audience, you're going to build a much bigger mm-hmm. audience for one thing. And all those previous books that you weren't making money on at first, will start, start selling. selling like crazy. And you'll see yeah. your numbers just mm-hmm. starting to, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it just takes you time. Know, my thoughts on this AI thing are very complicated because I, I also... There's a place for AI, but it's not it's not in this type of work. I don't think it's it's for nonfiction. Well, there's also other or there's also just the books, you know, the people who who are never going to pay the money for it. There's I mean, hell, there's 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 like um, textbooks, writing AI programs. There's people who use AI programs to write books. So, like, there's going to be people who want to do that and they're going to do that. And it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. And mm-hmm. the only thing that I can ever say is that if we want to, if we want to say to the listener that that the that the human experience of reading the book to you is important, then we have to think it's important that Absolutely. we have to really take care of the stories that we tell. That's the only thing mm-hmm. we can really do about it is make sure that we are bringing whatever that special human touch is that we're saying is more important than AI. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think it is. I think, I think there so. are things that you, because because the way that, this is what we've been talking about this whole time, which is just that the way that you read this book, Aaron, is going to be different from the way that I read it. We could read the exact same book and it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yep. You read yep. it and it's going to be different the way that I read it. And that's why it's important that Katie casts the right person. And the whole reason why is because Stella has put her whole soul into writing this book and it's going to mean something different to all of us. And the more that we care about it is the only way that we're ever going to beat AI because AI mm-hmm. is cheaper. AI is easier. They can do it like that and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think so the true fans. 
I just don't think the true fans of audiobooks, those that are our listener bases, are going to take to it. I oh, think I don't think so at all. I'm not worried. I'm not, I'm not even a little bit worried about AI, to be honest. Like, yeah. there's not even a small part of me that is worried about AI. I understand yeah. that there are, you know, if you're if you're somebody who makes your life reading math textbooks, eh, you might want to start thinking about a different job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but... and the, the other thing that authors <laughs> sometimes are thinking is that this is going to make their books accessible to people who um, are like have low vision um, or who have no vision. Yeah, but why and... would they when there's so many better options out there? Like, but the, you know... And the truth is it's already integrated. Right. in your in your readers you yeah. all you have to do is enable text to speech mm-hmm. and and it's done for you so you don't have to they don't have to pay for it so it is yeah. accessible you know yeah. unless you have disabled that on your book and that's a whole other story but, even but that's something at, you can enable in the movie mm-hmm. business like cgi has become such a big thing and since cgi has, and even cgi is like good it's mm-hmm. a part of it now there's a lot of stunt performers who will never do their stunts anymore because mm-hmm. because CGI will do that. But the but the people still call for I want practical effects. I want like real explosions. I don't want CGI explosions. Mm-hmm. CGI explosions mm-hmm. are so fake. It's the same thing with AG, with AI. We yeah. do want people want to see themselves on the screen. Yeah. They want to see themselves in the books. They want to yeah. You know. I think the listeners have to really start talking about how they don't want it more as well listen they talk about it with their money though don't they 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 do but yeah they do talk about it with their money but i think that that means that we're gonna have to have more people putting their books with ai narration um so that people cannot buy them more people (laughs) will will. so that's because i don't want people to fail you know (laughs) it's gonna take it's gonna it's probably gonna take five or ten years for this all to like like what Teddy just said about the CGI. When CGI mm-hmm. first started, when Jurassic Park first did a 3D animated dinosaur, it was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. But then, you know, it took 10 years before everybody was like, Ugh, every movie just feels like you're watching the same animated mm-hmm. shit. And uh, and then it went back. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's going to take some time for the, the industry to... And there's, a, and there's a place where CGI is necessary. And there mm-hmm. may be a place where AI reading is necessary. Like, what, yeah, this, like the thing that, mm-hmm. that the Audio Publishers Association talks about the most is that they're not... There's just books that they'll never turn into audio. That yeah. now they are... They might just turn them into audio because they could just push, put it through the AI filter. And mm-hmm. nobody trusts that. All of the narrators are like, oh, that's what you say. But like pretty soon, Life of Pi is going to be read in AI. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think that's, I just don't believe it. I, I think that ultimately AI, even if you got the best AI, like as long as, I mean, people know that it's AI, they're going to know that it's AI and you don't want Siri reading you a book. Like Mm-mm. You definitely I mean, don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you, there's something missing there. Because there's because there's just a ghost. It's a it's a blank yeah. wall. It it's understand. soulless. Yeah, it is. Just but I also think it's important to continue to have these conversations on podcasts, in oh, social oh, media, yeah. so that yeah. we as people within the industry are educating our you know our fan base, our listener base, mm-hmm. our readers, so that they're aware to watch out for this. Because you know maybe they're mm-hmm. excited. You know, a book by Sarah Smith finally, and I don't mean the Sarah Smith different, you know, just generic name, <laughs> is finally in audio form and I can consume it. And mm. I hope 
that there will be a very clear, you know, like when I buy an audiobook, it says narrated by Stella Hunter uh-huh. and Teddy Hamilton. I want to make sure that in those credits, we are very clear that this is an AI yeah, production. and currently that's what they've had to do. And I think that uh, the big, the main thing that authors should always keep in mind is that the reader and the listener has the most impact on how well your books are going to do. Because mm-hmm. they are the end user. They are the consumer. They're the ones who dictate whether or not your books are successful. So you need to listen to them. And if they're not buying it, you should look at why. And if you did an AI, you might want to look at that, you know, like that's, and and the more vocal that the listeners are about that stuff, the more that will help. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to say thank you to all of you for joining us for this episode. I appreciate you giving us your time and your talent um, and being a part of our, uh, our little podcast, our yeah. chaos. <laughs> it was uh, fun. This was fun. I felt, I feel like I I shouted a lot during this thing. (laughs) Yeah, me too. You're always yelling at me, Teddy. This means we were talking about cool stuff. I I enjoyed this. They might be some of our most talkative ever guests. They were delightful. No joke. Like no joke. People, Becky texted me like as we were doing the interview, she's like, do we need to be here? Because at one point, we didn't, I don't think we said anything for like a good five to 10 minutes. But you know what? I love that. They gave us so much information and so much knowledge and mm-hmm. they all have worked in the industry for a long time. They have phenomenal reputations amongst <coughs> them and they were so thoughtful. And some of the things that they brought up, I hadn't talked about or thought about. And one of the mm-hmm. things that we talk about really at the end of the discussion was AI narration. And Mm -hmm. I'm not in favor of this. And it was actually, there's some problems in AI uh, narrate, just in AI in general. In general, um, yeah. That have to do with like race recognition. I mean, it's racist, like AI is inherently racist. So there's Mm -hmm. this all this whole broad scope of other things we didn't even talk about with AI narration. So that -hmm. might be another... uh, episode in the future too because i know that stella is very passionate that this is not a good choice do not do it yeah i well and one thing too it's interesting to see like their journey into this business like how different it it has been for each of them like they all three of them like the three narrators because katie is a producer it's a little bit different of a journey for her but like all three of the narrators they have vastly different like journeys but like their voices are very recognizable yeah like in what they do and for katie her journey into audiobook publishing was very similar into our journey as audio or as book editors i know it's kind of a backwards like happenstance type of thing kind of moved into it very differently so um i found that very interesting i also thought that their conversation about they talk people out of it out of being a narrator. Oh, yeah, that how it's Aaron not... was like, that is the one thing that I do is tell them not to do it. Yeah, and if they push back and actually go and do it, then they're meant to do it, but it is not for the faint of heart. And I think that that was something that kind of came out of that um, verba mm-hmm. discussion was that just because you have a deep voice and a pretty face does not mean you can do audiobook narration. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Well, and honestly, like I've always known there was a lot that went into it because like there is a there's a a charm to an audiobook. Like like I everybody knows, and I even said it in the interview, like I'm not a huge audiobook person. Like I will listen to them, but it is not something that I like to do because I read so fast. But like there is a a charm to it. And honestly, like there are some actors like that I have a hard time watching on screen because their voices bug me so much. So like I can imagine like listening to a book where like the cadence is weird or like it doesn't match like the character that you imagine. So it throws that whole experience off for you. Anyway, listen to the episode because they give so much more insight and thoughts to it. And it was very Mm -hmm. intriguing. And, you know, we're 24 hours later and I'm still like thinking about it and hyped Uh from it. So, okay, Leah, it's that time. It's time for book Book of of the the week. week. And let me tell you, I've missed saying that because I have not been on an actual episode for a couple of weeks now because like my entire family was sick. And so it was rough. Like I've missed the book of the week. We've missed you and your books of the week. Okay. So Becky, what was your book of the week? And you Um, stole this from me. I licked him first. He's mine. (laughs) No, I licked him first. He's mine. No, I finished him first. It doesn't matter. But he's my book of the week. So now he's mine. Um, It doesn't count. So my book of the week is Codename Omega by Sawyer Bennett. It is the final book in the Jameson Force series. It is the story of Kellen and Abby. Abby is a veterinarian. Kellen is one of the newest guys on the Jameson Force. And Mm -hmm. all I have to say is in the first three chapters of this book, he takes his sick dog to the vet he accepts possession of a stolen oh, dog mm-hmm. and then bails Abby out of jail in the next chapter. Like, that's the first few chapters, guys. Well, but accepts- I love, like, that that whole scene when she's like, yeah, we can totally go out, like, if you bail me out of jail. Right. Like, and yeah, he's like, I'd love to have okay. dinner with you. Because, like, he basically, like, says, like... I can avoid this. And she's like, don't you dare. Right. Let me not go to jail. She wanted to be arrested. And he's like, yeah, an hour later, I've bailed her out. And now we're off to have burgers and onion rings. And I'm just like, that's delightful. That was he's, honestly, he's, he is a swoony hero. She is a book bestie. Like you, if you have not read this series, like, and you just want to try it out, just start here. You can machete yeah. this series. And as much as it stresses me out, you can do it. You really but, can. So what's okay, your so book of the week? My book of the week is one that I have been anticipating. It is Rebel Heart by Ivy Lane. This is the Hearts of Sawyer's Ben book four. I love this series. I am adoring this series, but we have to wait a really long freaking time for the next book. And I am super frustrated about that because Ivy Lane only puts like two, three books out a year, if that, and I get it. I understand it, but I really, really don't want to wait so long. So I'm hoping maybe she changes that. But if you haven't read the series, it's in Kindle Unlimited. It's very good. I love the series. This is a, it is Nash and Parker. Parker is one of the Sawyers and she is married to Nash's brother. It is not a love triangle. I will say that now there's an element that you think it might be, but it is not so, but it's very good. 
Okay. So for those of you that are listening now, there will be a special summer reading entry in our on the shelf show notes. So make sure you hop on over to our website to this episode's show notes and enter in the word summer and you will have, that will be the answer to the question. Secret word of the week, summer. Summer. It is week 12 of summer reading. We only have week week 12, 12, week 13, week 14 left. I can't believe it's already the end. Like I can, but I can't at the same time. It's been, it's been a ride, but so this week for week 12, we have authors, sponsoring authors, Janice Whitaker slash Gemma Westbrook slash Josie Watts and Isabel Peterson. So, Uh, (laughs) go ahead. So August 16th at 1.30 p.m. on Instagram, we are going to be live with Isabel Peterson to talk to her. And then August 18th is the next installment of Plot a Book with Sawyer Bennett on the TikTok at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then August 20th for Patreon members. And also, if you would want to give it a try, just let us know. But we are going to have Drunk Book Club with Catherine Cowles. And that starts at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we are doing Beautifully Broken Pieces, which if you have not read Catherine, she will tear you apart and then put you back together. Well, and I have to say that this Drunk Book Club book is like the bootleg springs all over again for me. Mm-hmm. Like because you're going down that rabbit hole. I am, um, and I don't really have any business doing it, but I can't. We never stop. have business rabbit holing, but we do it. I can't stop. Um, this is your <laughs> reminder that any book that you have read from May 25th until September the 1st, as long as it's entered into our website, will qualify for the grand prize drawing on September 2nd. All entries must be submitted to our website, bookcaseandcoffee.com, by September 1st at 11.59 p.m. local time. The winner will be announced on September 2nd. It doesn't matter if you didn't do anything else all summer long, but if you even just read one book, go over to our website and submit it into the website and you have a chance to win a book cart full of books for your TBR. Uh-huh. There are some really, really good books in this grand prize. Really books. I'm super, super jealous because I really <laughs> want some of those books. So we have a Patreon update for you. We are so grateful for our Patreon supporters like Terry and Kimberly and Janice and Julie. And we also want to welcome Michelle to the hive. Yes, we recently updated our Patreon perks. We added a monthly swag pack for the top three tiers. We are also going to bring you all new exclusive Buzzing After Dark episodes that will be over on Patreon. And for the top two tiers, our Cold Brew and our Queen Bee tier, we have started offering an author round table every other month. This will be a small group meeting via Zoom where we will invite some of our um, different authors and author friends to come on and kind of have discussion about their stories and how they write and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and then Duchess Katie and I will be back with another round once a month starting August 21st. Up first, we are reviewing Netflix Persuasion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I might hop in and out of these as they progress. We'll see. We'll see if I have time because, you know, life. Well, in September, we're reading For the Roses by Julie Garwood, and we're watching Rose Hill, which is the Hallmark movie starring a very young Jennifer Garner. 
Absolutely. I may yes. have to do that one. <clears throat> okay. You okay, can join so the you, oh, oh, you go can, ahead. I, you okay. can join our community while helping to support the podcast by joining us over on Patreon. We would really like to hit our goal of 40 Patreons by the end of the year. You can find details at patreon.com backslash bookcase and coffee. If you are a member of Patreon, like Becky said, we are starting to put some, we haven't done it yet, but we are working up to starting adding exclusive content where we're doing buzzing after dark for those dirty stories that we don't always talk about. We talk about, but like we don't talk about, talk about. And then we are going to be starting some PNR and suspense, Patreon only things also. Those are just in the works. So <clears throat> so Drunk Book Club, best night of the month, is happening on August the 20th. We are reading Beautifully Broken Pieces by Catherine Cowles. Catherine will be joining us for the evening, and we would love to have all of you join us. You can find details on our website. Like we said, we will let you try this out, you know, Come join us. See if we're your cup of tea. Um, we are and then not you, for everybody. We have accepted that. And then you can join us on Patreon for your exclusive membership each month because September's author is Sawyer Bennett and we'll be hosting book club on September 17th. I'm not sure yet what we're reading. That will be the announced. Vote, the, later. Votes, the votes are not in yet, but the no matter what it in. is, it'll be good. And yeah. Sawyer is wonderful and delightful. So is Catherine. I'm super excited for that one. So Readathon this year will be hosted on September 5th. We have 13 amazing authors joining us. You can find the full lineup on our website. And Becky and Carolina did do an Instagram live that you can find on our Instagram somewhere. Yeah, it's and on our like grid. They talk about who is um, there. So Carolina will be joining Becky for that fun-filled day. It's an all-day live stream starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You do not have to watch the whole thing. You can hop in and out because we have lots of different authors um, that they're going to read an excerpt from a new book or a previous book, talk a little bit. So each author is about a half an hour but you can pop in and out. And usually by the end of the day, I come and say hi, but again, it depends on my kids. Um, so next time we, um, next time we'll be joined by bestselling author, Allie Hazelwood. Uh, Allie writes contemporary rom-com novels about women in steam and academia. Uh, she loves cats, Nutella, and side ponytails. She is the best-selling author of The Love Hypothesis, and her latest book, Love on the Brain, releases August 23rd. And we are very excited to get to talk to her about writing romances with women in STEM in them. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what we have going on right now. Uh, September gearing up to be chaos and fun month. So, and our... Uh, fourth quarter reading journals. So if you're a member of our Patreon, you can get a exclusive reading journal that uh, will be mailed to you at the end of this month and take you on till the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so much stuff going on. So much stuff. Always a lot of things. Anyway, until next time, everyone. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.